You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And here's your host, Aram Layton. This is Locked On MLB Prospects, your go-to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. As always, I'm your host, Arm Layton. I'm a prospect writer and analyst, as well as the founder of JustBaseball.com. And in today's episode, we are going to talk about one of the best systems in baseball. It's the L.A. Dodgers farm system, which is absolutely loaded. I've seen some rank it towards the middle of the league. I think that's outrageous. This is a top five system in baseball. I'm going to explain why and probably get through the top five players in this system. But there are legitimately seven players in this top 10 that have a legitimate shot at being top 100 prospects in the just baseball top 100 update and several that will be well inside that top 50 because these guys are freaking studs and I'm going to make the case for some of these players and it's amazing what the Dodgers are able to do when it comes to identifying and developing talent especially with some of the offensive guys that had big years last year but I'm going to start with number one because number one is somebody that just continues to look better and better to me the more I watch him and I'm really excited to see what he's going to do this upcoming year it's Bobby Miller who finished in double A and I think is going to just take the world by storm next year. I love his stuff. He is a big dude at 6'5", 220 pounds. First round pick in 2020, went 29th overall to the Dodgers out of Louisville. And really, Miller would have went higher. I feel like I say this often, but this is another one of those very obvious cases uh, for the now 22-year-old where he would have went much higher if the 2020 season wasn't canceled. He made four starts for Louisville in 2020, and the stuff was different. He had a huge tick up in his stuff uh, going into that season through the fall, and we were able able to see that very briefly in those four starts. And then the season ends. So similar to Garrett Crochet, he showed enough to boost his stock, but not enough to uh, really sell I guess teams or scouts or front offices enough to say, okay, let's use a top 15 pick on this guy. I guess for Crochet it was, given that he's a lefty, but still they didn't want to go top 10 on him. He probably would have in any other world if if the season had gone on a little bit longer. I mean, the guy was sitting 100 miles an hour. Uh, So for Bobby Miller, though, he's just got a deep bag of stuff. He has an assortment of pitches that he can attack you with, and that's what makes him really just a high floor guy, but I think a high ceiling guy because I like all of his offerings. It starts with a fastball, and he has two variations of the fastball, which is really important. This is something I talk about a lot, and it's something I'm going to take a deep dive in, especially during the lockout, and really start, I guess, try to contextualize through research and recent history and recent results, but I really feel like guys that have the two-seam fastball and a change-up, they really need a four-seam. You got to provide a different perspective, right? The four-seam is going to play better up in the zone. Two-seam and a change-up are often going to have that same action running down and away, and when you have only the two-seam and only the change-up, if it starts belt high, a hitter is just going to lay off it. They're just going to see it up. They're going to wait to see something up. With the four seam, you can blow it by them up, but then also you can go with the change up down. You're changing eye levels. You're changing perspectives, and they're not able to just eliminate one region of the zone. Uh, with Miller, he attacks you with the two different fastballs, and he's starting to differentiate those two really well. Four seamer, ton of life up in the zone. Two seamer, 
good arm side run, works well down in the zone. Another big thing off of the two-seamer is you want to see guys have a slider. I mean, think about the way those two pitches tunnel off each other, right? Out of the hand, looks the same, and then all of a sudden, one's breaking uh, to the left and the other's breaking to the right. Uh, Obviously, the slider is going to break a lot more, but he has good horizontal movement to his arm side on the two-seamer, and of course, to his glove side, the horizontal movement is ridiculous on the slider, which is just a ridiculous pitch. Before I go deep into the, the arsenal, here are the stats from 2021. It's something to mind as we go through all of these prospects for the Dodgers. They slow roll their pitching prospects. These are really situations where the Dodgers have their own method and they do not like to stretch their young pitching prospects out. They'll just go a few innings at a time. And that's exactly what we saw. So in 2021, he only threw 56 in the thirds innings uh, between high A and double A, but pitched to a 2.40 ERA, 2.82 FIP, 0.94 WHIP, uh, 191 opponent batting average, 30% K rate, only 6% walk rate. So he has great command as well. And combining that command with the life that he has on his fastball, I mean, by the time he got to the Arizona Fall League, Bobby Miller was averaging, averaging 98 miles per hour on the fastball. Just absolutely ridiculous. And over 2,500, or actually nearly 2,500 RPMs, more in the 2,450 range, which is well, well, well above average on a fastball, especially for the four-seamer, just makes it look like it is taking off, uh, meaning that it just looks like it's rising and makes it so much more difficult when you have that rising fastball, the heavy fastball as well that gets him a ton of ground balls as the two-seamer, and then the changeup and the slider, and also a curveball that he mixes in. So going over to the slider now, that's definitely his best out pitch. It's in the mid 80s. It's really just a sharp and late breaking pitch that he's comfortable going against lefties and righties with. It has really good or he has really good command of that offering to his glove side. So he's very comfortable going to lefties and backlegging them with it. But of course, he's also very comfortable setting up right-handed hitters with that two-seamer in and then just throwing that slider that breaks away from you after you were just thinking about something boring in on your hands. Just a terrible at-bat. I would I would just hate to have to face this guy uh, as a righty especially. But as a lefty, you got a lot to think about as well because that slider, you know that he's comfortable coming in on you with it. He's not afraid in the mid-80s. He knows he can get it in on your hands. He'll also manipulate it to more of a cutter in the upper 80s. He's just so versatile as a pitcher. Then he'll give you that changeup. And the changeup right now is probably just a hair below plus. I think more consistently it's it's in the 55 range, but I think it'll be a plus pitch, no doubt about it. When you, you when you combine the fact that his fastball is what it is, and again, I try not to be too individualistic with the changeup and fastball uh, when you go to grading those pitches, right? Like if a guy has a mediocre fastball but a great changeup, it's not the changeup's not going to play up as well. So you really have to look at what they have going on as a fastball and then how that's going to help the changeup play up as well. I always use Trevor Rogers as an example because the independent changeup is a solid pitch, but when you when you look at the action and you look at a lot of the movement profile, it's nothing off the charts or elite, but when you look at the data on it in terms of how hitters perform, it is elite because of the way it works off the fastball. The movement profile on this pitch is spectacular, don't get me wrong, but it's going to play up even more for Bobby Miller because of the fact that his fastball is ridiculous. So that's got to kind of help boost it up a little bit. And I always like to to kind of contextualize that because the changeup has great arm side fade. It's difficult to pick up out of his hand. And when you're worrying about 98 up and you're also worrying about 98 as a two-seamer, then he gives you that changeup with good arm side fade that is more so 
in that upper 80s range, it's a great pitch. At times, it can get a little bit firm on him and he'll tug it to his glove side where you can see that's just common, uh, just not really letting that change up flow out of his hand. At times, he, you know, he'll pull it to the glove side and that's where it won't be as good. But when he shows a good feel for it and really allows that change up grip to do the work for him instead of trying to do too much with the pitch, it has a great, great profile. And at times, He'll get into the low 90s with it, and that's where it won't have as much arm side fade. The pitch performs best in the upper 80s, and that it gives it about a 10-mile-per-hour separation from the fastball, which is ideal. You want to keep it at least above 7, 8 miles an hour separation from the fastball to really provide those different looks. And then speaking of different looks, Bobby Miller will also mix in a curveball in the upper 70s, low 80s. That's an above-average pitch, definitely the clear fourth offering, but no doubt about it, it is a good fourth pitch to use to steal strikes. You know, you can change it up when you're in a hitter's count to just bend in a curveball when that's not going to be on the forefront of the hitter's mind, even if it's not the nastiest pitch ever, it's a great way to steal strikes early in the count. It's a great way to remind hitters, hey, I still have this distinct other speed that you're going to have to think about at least a little bit because you get the low 80s curveball, upper 80s uh, changeup, and I would say that the slider is closer to the upper 80s and then the upper 90s fastball. So just giving another speed there is a great look and, and just really just furthers the safety net, I think, for Bobby Miller because there's so many different ways he can attack you. You pair that with the command, which is clearly great at a below 6%. It was 5.7% walk rate uh, last year. You got a lot to like here. To me, I see a lot of similarities with the ways he can attack you with the fastball, the changeup, and the slider. Very similar to Sandy Alcantara, especially with that two-seamer and the two fastballs that he has. Sandy took his stuff to the next level when he started incorporating the four-seamer more and when his command improved, right? Sandy Alcantara came with some command questions and has now answered those and has really strong command. Miller's already got that command down and now is trying to work out how to differentiate those two fastballs most effectively and continuing to develop the changeup. Miller's slider is probably further along than Sandy's was at this age, uh, but the changeup uh, is still catching up to Sandy's at this point. But I really like the similarities there. Both 6'5 guys, both easy reach, good athleticism on the mound, big time velo. Uh, I mean, Miller's encroaching on that Sandy Alcantara velo, which is, you know, second to only Jacob deGrom in average fastball velo for a starter. There's a lot of similarities between these two pitchers. And I mean, that's good company. Sandy's emerging as one of the best pitchers, young pitchers in baseball right now. And the Marlins just extended him to a five-year, $55 million deal, which sounds cheap, but it's because it was one of the most rare pre-arb deals you're going to see that you know, you're going to get a good value there for the Marlins on the back end when you're giving him more money ahead of arbitration. You just don't see that very often. And I think Bobby Miller is that kind of guy that will instill that kind of confidence. And I wouldn't be surprised that if early in his duration at the big league level, which I think he could break in next year, that the Dodgers might try by next year or the year after that in 2023 to lock Miller up because he just seems so safe to me for all those reasons. I think he's got frontline stuff. I think he's going to climb through the minors quick, depending on how the Dodgers like to you know, stagger the workload. He's going to get more work. I mean, more innings. There's a reason why they sent him to the fall league. They want to start ramping him up a bit more. Uh, 
different than maybe the way we see them slow roll other prospects. They slow rolled them through the early part of the year. I think they're going to unleash him this year, and I can't wait to see what that looks like. Number two here, and I was saying this on the Just Baseball show when I was talking about the Dodger system on there after I put out this article, which by the way, this one will definitely be in the description because it's been up for a while uh, and you can check out the full write-ups on these players at JustBaseball.com and the article is in the description that you could really interchange a lot of the dudes in this top 10. There's not very many systems where I can say that in baseball where usually after the top three, there's a steep drop-off or maybe even top two. Uh, But with the Dodgers, you can interchange a lot of guys in the top seven and it wouldn't be that crazy. I mean, I've seen a lot of different iterations of this list, but for me, it is very clear who number two is, and it's an offensive prospect that I don't think anybody else has this high in the Dodgers system, and I'm going to make the case for him. It's Miguel Vargas, third base prospect, just 22 years old. He just turned 22 and had just a ridiculously impressive year between high A and double A. So Miguel Vargas will go over the stats first for the third baseman. He hit 319, 380, 526 between high A and double A. Mind you, played the vast majority of his games actually in double A. 23 home runs, 52 extra base hits, a 142 WRC+, 16% K rate, 8% walk rate. That is what is so impressive to me. 21-year-old for majority of the season, did not have much experience above a ball and just lights double A on fire. I mean, the WRC plus was consistent between high A and double A. I think it was 141 in high A or 142 in high A gets the bump up to double A and it just stays consistent at 142. And the most impressive thing is that when he got the call up to double A, which I always talk about how big of a jump it is from high A to double A, especially last year, his K rate dropped and his walk rate rose. You don't see that because the command of the pitcher's commands are always better in double A. And it was just Vargas being a more feared hitter and a more patient hitter once he got that promotion. I mean, the guy launched 23 home runs. It was never a question of hit tool for Vargas. And if you've noticed throughout the months or even years, if you've been listening to this podcast since the beginning, I'm always going to be more bullish on the prospects that showed the feel to hit and then developed the power. That's always, it's rare to be able to find that because usually the hit first guys, you can't just magically teach power. They have to have room in their potential, room in their body, room in their swing, and and the raw bat speed and potential ability to unlock that power. And generally the hit tool guys just don't have that long-term capability. Miguel Vargas did, but not even to this degree. I didn't think he would have it to this degree, but he has done something that the Dodgers are really good at doing without with guys throughout their system, and it's getting them to get carry on the baseball, easy lift, and just generate easy power to all fields when you have the nuts and bolts that they look for, which obviously he does. Vargas is a 55 present hit tool, 60 future hit tool guy for me, so he's a plus hitter. 55 current raw power, and I think he's maxed out physically at about 6'3", 205. Maybe he could fill out a little bit more, but I don't know how much you really want him to fill out. He moves well enough to stick at third right now, probably an average defender. So I'm not sure I want him to get that much more physical. He's got pretty much everything you want in terms of his ability and the ability to impact the baseball. He already puts up some ridiculous exit velo, so you can see the kind of bat speed that he has. 
not the biggest burner, probably an average runner. But when you have above average power and a plus hit tool, you have a good chance to be a very, very good player. I mean, you don't see guys with a sub 20% K rate hitting 20 plus home runs. It just doesn't happen that much, especially at the double A level, kind of showing you what direction the game's going in. There's not that many guys like this out there. And Vargas offensively reminds me a lot of Carlos Correa because of the fact that one, the strikeouts, you know, he keeps him in check. Two, he impacts the baseball, but does not need to hit home runs to be valuable and productive. He does not need to run into 40 home runs because he's going to split the gap. He's going to hit a ton of doubles. He's going to use the whole field and he's going to just hit the ball hard. He's going to hit hard line drives. Like Correa is a line drive hitter that gets under him and carries and is able to get them to lift out of there. I think Vargas has done a better job at being able to get that easy carry, get that easy lift and backspin baseballs. So that's where he's a little bit different. But with the similarities to Correa is just how he can hit hard line drives, spray it all over the field, and be a high average hitter. I mean, the guy hit 319 last year, and, and it's not coming at expense of his power. Whereas Correa, you know, did not put up big time power numbers really until this year, and, and it wasn't even huge power numbers. I think Vargas can hit more home runs uh, than Correa can. Obviously, Correa offers a lot more defensive value there uh, at shortstop as a plus plus shortstop defensively, whereas Vargas is an average to maybe slightly below average third basement. But the similarities I see there is that you have to have this freakish bat speed to be able to hit the way that those guys hit. They don't move at all. And most hitters are really preaching the 90 degree angle when you load up your hands because it's just so much easier to get the bat to where you need it to be in the zone. Uh, But Vargas has more of an upright bat angle and just generates so much barrel whip that he doesn't need to be pre-slotted in this super comfortable spot that makes it easy to get to the point of contact. He can start somewhere comfortable and just whip that barrel around because of how quick his hands are and just how much violence and explosive components there are to his swing and rotational power overall. It's just really special stuff. That's why I'm very sold on him. The body control that he has is another reason why I think he's always just going to be able to hit everything. Even when he's fooled, his hands are quick enough. He just throws his hands and impacts the baseball. And you can kind of see that uh, made evident by the fact that he did not really have a weakness last year. He had an OPS over 800 against fastballs, breaking balls, and changeups. How do you attack a guy like that? (laughs) You really can't. Uh, You're just hoping that he can't burn you. He gets to pitches, heaters up in the zone that I hadn't thinking he had no chance of catching. He gets to pitches that are breaking down and away from him after it looked like he might be fooled. He's just a guy that you can't really game plan for. I think he's as can't miss as you're going to find offensively in the minor leagues outside of the elite, elite prospects. And a big thing for him was adding a little bit of that strength, as I mentioned, getting the ball in the air more, which I know came from the Dodgers because he cut his ground ball rate by 10%. And while you simultaneously cut your ground ball rate, he improved his home run to fly ball rate as well. Because it's one thing to hit more fly balls, but if your home run to fly ball rate doesn't really change much after already having a relatively low home run to fly ball rate, yes, it'll help a little bit, but you're not really going to Uh, yield the results that you want in the power department. When a higher percentage of your fly balls are leaving the yard and you're hitting more fly balls, uh, obviously that's going to bode well for your long-term power output and the numbers that you're going to put up. And that's exactly what Miguel Vargas did. When you put up 110 plus exit velos easily and now you're hitting the ball more in the air, it's not a surprise to me to see that power just improve. You cut the ground ball rate by 10%, home run to fly, fly ball rate increases by 10%, and you have the plus hit tool that does not get affected at all by that adjustment and approach. I'm a big fan. He makes all the plays he needs to make it third. He's 
at least savvy enough and athletic enough on the base paths, even as an average runner to, you know, steal a couple bags here and there, not be a negative on the base paths and be at least an average defender. I think Vargas is going to be the contingency plan long term at third base for Justin Turner. And I'm expecting this guy to be a all star or an all star for the Dodgers in the future. I really, really like this kid. I'm going to talk about 345 on the other half of the break. Before we get there, a reminder that this episode is brought to you by Direct TV. Tell me if this sounds familiar. You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, then you're watching sports highlights on your phone, or you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for something else you want to watch. Well, let me tell you a much easier way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can stream your favorite sports movies and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part is that there's no annual contract. Get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com to go check it out. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Also brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered for all of your season sports from football, basketball, college basketball, hopefully baseball around the corner. They've got everything, especially as we head towards the playoffs for the NFL. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code locked on to receive your bonus. That's locked on one word from football, basketball, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2021. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. So let's get into the number three prospect in this Dodgers system now, and it is young catching prospect Diego Cartaya, who just turned 20 years old, and man, does he have a lot to get Dodgers fans excited about. Anytime that the Dodgers spend a lot of money in international free agency, people are going to be on notice because the Dodgers smash it in international free agency, and the Dodgers are great at evaluating talent and developing talent, and generally, they'll find guys for cheap. I mean, Miguel Vargas, who I just raved about for about 10 minutes, might have felt like 30 minutes for you. He was signed for $300,000. Cartaya was signed for $2.5 million as a 16-year-old <laughs> in 2018. So you think they saw something they liked in this kid? And I mean, he had a great year before missing time with a hamstring injury uh, in low A, which as a 19-year-old, really impressive in low A. He put up crazy numbers in 2019 in rookie ball that kind of put people on watch for him. And in 31 games, launched 10 home runs in low A, which is just ridiculous. 298, 409, 614 slash line, 16 extra base hits, 158 WRC+, 27% K rate, which, yeah, it's a little bit high, but this is a guy that's really just getting his first taste of full season ball. 13% walk rate is, is solid as well. I mean, this kid is a catcher, and of course, defense comes first with catchers, and it's not going to come at the expense of offense for this guy. Like he is somebody that you're expecting to be a good, really good offensive catcher. And I think people are looking at Diego Cartaya to be leading that wave of the next generation of catching prospects, right? Because you look at Adley Rutschman, Gabriel Moreno. I even think Francisco Alvarez. Yes, he's younger, but you can kind of group him in with those guys because I think he's going to climb fast. Like those guys are going to quickly be off the list. I mean, Moreno 
is not quite as soon as maybe Adley, who could start the year at the big league level. But both those guys will break in next year. And then Alvarez, probably a year behind. Cartaya, looking more at a 2024 call-up. So I think he's going to kind of lead the way for the next generation of catching prospects. And look, Cartaya has everything you look for. He earns super high marks for the way he handles a game behind the dish, even as a 19-year-old, the way he calls a game, uh, just his polish back there, and just how wise beyond his years he is as a catching prospect and as such a young one, and just his way of commanding the field. He's a good receiver for his age. He's got a big arm. He's going to be a good or an above average defensive catcher. But then on the offensive side of things, he's got plus raw power. And I think the ability to long-term be a good hitting prospect, obviously, with some of the numbers we saw early. But right now, he's got a lot of things I think that he's got to learn at the plate uh, to be able to translate to high A and double A. I mean, some things are going to be exposed a little bit if he doesn't change them. I'm sure the Dodgers are already on it with Cartaya because one thing that I think he was really doing, and it's kind of a testament to how advanced he is for his age, is that he was just feasting on younger competition, more inexperienced competition. He was looking for fastballs, middle in, or breaking balls, hanging middle in because guys just make mistakes so much in low A, and just looking to go pull side and pulverize pitches. I mean, the guy pulled 60% of baseballs last year. I mean, that's just unheard of to see somebody pulling the baseball that frequently. Uh, You can't have success pulling the ball at that clip. It's just not going to happen. Even for the best of hitters. Nobody's ever had success pulling the ball 60% of the time. So that's something that we're going to have to see him adjust because here's an example. He hit fastballs to an 1100 OPS this past year because he was just sitting dead red, ready to just pulverize heaters. He also hit hanging curveballs pretty well too, but sliders gave him fits because think about it. You're sitting middle in fastball. What does a slider look like? At first out of the hand, a good slider is going to look like a fastball or something hard middle in, and then it breaks away from you because he's sitting middle in and looking to yank everything. He was dreadful against sliders in that short stint. He was also bad against lefty changeup. Same thing, right? Breaking away from you. So that's something he's going to have to develop, but I'm not too worried about it. The fact that he can just already pulverize fastballs to an 1100 OPS uh, and just kind of daring pitchers to locate their off speed. It's a good way to take advantage of lower level competition. More advanced pitchers are going to know sliders away, sliders away, sliders away, and how he adjusts to that uh, will be important. But given how advanced he is behind the dish, how much he just earns high marks for his makeup and the way he approaches the game. I love his defense. He's a good athlete. I know he's going to work that all out. And I mean, just the raw power and bat to ball skills are ridiculous. The rhythmic leg kick that he kind of times up may be part of the reason why he's a little pull happy. But I mean, this is an above average defensive catcher who calls a good game, who has 30 home run potential or more. You don't see that very often. And this guy could end up being one of the more exciting prospects in baseball. Talking about One of the more exciting prospects in baseball, potentially down the line. Here's another guy, Andy Pages. Andy Pages is just a freak and had a just spectacular season last year. The outfield prospect number four for me in this system has all the tools you could hope for. Just turned 21. And as a 20-year-old, this is what he did to high A pitching. 265, 394, 539 slash line, 31 home runs, 57 extra base hits, a 152 WRC plus, strikeout rate at 24%, walk rate at 14%. Strikeout rate continuously declined as the year went on. His approach got better and better. He was another guy that was extremely pull happy and started to use the field more as the year went on. 
Pages is another dude who really kind of got on Dodgers fans' radar after just dismantling rookie ball pitching. And another guy that wasn't paid that much in international free agency, if I'm not mistaken, uh, back in 2017. And look, I mean, he is twitchy, explosive, fast. I mean, I think he could stick in center if he slows down a little bit more, because I think he might put on a little bit more weight, would be a plus defender in a corner. And reminds me almost, he's not as big as him, obviously. He's like 6'1", 212. But in terms of the tools, right, he has probably a 70 to maybe even 80 great arm, maybe one of the strongest arms in the minor leagues. And with above average speed, I think he could be a plus defender in the corner with crazy power, probably a little bit of swing and miss. Uh, there's a little bit of that like Aaron Judge light to him uh, if he kind of follows that same development track. Very lofty goal, but that's why I said light, uh, but does have all of those components to him. I mean, 31 home runs. Everything he hit in the air pretty much got out. And he's got some movement to his swing. And he's one of those guys that, you know, at first I look at the movement to his swing. I'm like, ah, but he strikes out a little bit and there's all those moving parts. But he is such a good athlete that I think he can make those moving parts work. And he toned it down a little bit And with the raw strength, bat speed, and the twitchy athleticism he has, I think he can make that all work, especially as his approach improved and continued to improve as the year went on. His pitch recognition improved, as I said earlier, the strikeout rate dropping, walk rate rising. For a 20-year-old to make those adjustments and make those improvements, even during a season where he was already doing great, uh, that kind of shows you, I think, where he's headed as well. Yes, he's still a little bit pull happy, but he had no problem going dead central. You know, Cartaya was pretty much going pull side for all of his power. We saw Pages go dead central more often. And I think as the year went on, we got to see him go to, to right center a bit more. That's something I want to see continue to develop because I'm sure he's going to get hammered away, away, away as the season or as his minor league career continues to progress, especially at the double A level. But when you have that kind of power, that kind of athleticism and improved approach because you know, swing and miss was the concern. When he's showing those signs, I'm really excited about this kid. Uh, You pair the above average value probably in the corner outfield, the arm that he has, uh, above average speed on the base paths. He fits the profile of a plus right fielder who could play center field in a pinch. And I love that. This is somebody that to me is is a top 50 prospect. I think could have the helium as well to quickly, quickly rise up the rankings. Uh, Vargas is already going to be well up there. Pages is not far behind, and he could leapfrog Cartaya with a big year. Uh, Obviously, Cartaya brings value as the catcher, but with the defense, and we're talking about war, Pages could end up being a really valuable piece, and I'm very excited about him. 30 home runs at the big league level. He has perennial all-star upside, and again, the above average defense, so I'll go with it. He's more volatile than some of the other guys, but somebody that you can really dream on, on being a perennial, perennial all-star if it all clicks for him. Last but surely not least in this part one of the top 10 breakdown for the LA Dodgers system is right-handed pitching prospect Ryan Pepiot, who had an up and down year. I mean, he was fantastic in double A, hit a bit of a wall in triple A, but man, does the stuff play for this guy. 24 years old, third round pick in 2019, 6'3", 215 pound right hand pitcher with ridiculous stuff. So we'll start with the fastball on Pepiot. And I mean, this is a fastball with a ton of life in the mid nineties that can get up to 98 big time spin rates and is a great swing and miss pitch, even within the strike zone, which is, I mean, the number one criteria you're looking for in a fastball, right? Is 
Can he blow it by guys? Can he get? Can he miss barrels even when it's in the strike zone? His fastball does that because of the crazy life he has on the pitch and just how hard it is at times to to read it out of his hand. He hides the ball pretty well. And I talked to some guys in the upper level minor leagues, and I'll, I'll just say, uh, to put it simply, guys that have been some of the best or were some of the best hitters in the minor leagues last year. And they told me uh, that Pepio was one of the most difficult at-bats that they had during the season. And I think that kind of says a lot uh, from especially some of the guys that I was able to talk to that just said, this guy has it. It's just a matter of putting it all together. In double A, he struck out 35% of batters. I mean, that is just ridiculous. If you do that all the way through, you're, you're going to be quite fine. He did walk 11% of batters, not as bad, but then when he gets to AAA, his strikeout rate drops all the way to 23%, and the ERA ballooned to 7.13. And, and the big reason for this was that the strike zone in AAA shrinks a lot, and, and Pepeyot's command is a bit hit or miss, and I think it was just even more exposed at the AAA level. All of a sudden, the fastball that played up off of the rest of his stuff, because he has a plus-plus changeup and a good slider, now he's leaning on on the fastball more because he's not commanding the changeup and the slider well enough to throw consistent strikes. And now guys are sitting on the fastball, and they were able to connect with it once they knew it was coming or once they were really able to dial in and sit on it for a couple pitches until he went to it. He just wasn't getting ahead of hitters. And... Of course, the changeup, which is his best pitch, is going to always play off the fastball. Like I said earlier, and when you can't establish a consistent success with the fastball, guys were just spitting on everything else and just waiting for the heater. And he would just wasn't locating the other pitches for a strike. But looking at the fastball, I mean, with the spin rates that he gets, with the movement that he gets, and then the changeup, which... Honestly, it reminds me a bit of Devin Williams' changeup with the way that it's able to just defy what you think a normal changeup can do. It's one of those pitches that I think could be one of the best changeups in all of baseball when he commands it. The problem is at times he doesn't command it as well, and that's you know what it all kind of ties into. But it's in the high 80s with crazy arm side run and drops. It really drops off the table as well, which makes it work. Of course, it's going to be better to lefties, but he can bury it on righties too, who will swing over it and get tied up because of the arm side run and the drop on the pitch. And that's why I think it's going to be a pitch that he can really ride all the way through. But you can't just be a fastball changeup guy in today's game. I mean, you can, but your margin for error is razor thin. And that's why there's a big emphasis on the slider, which to me is an above average pitch. And that's all he really needs it to be. The slider is more in the upper 80s and similar to a lot of the other sliders you'll see in this system is, you know, that sharp horizontal break, not as big of a sweeper, uh, but the command, just like the changeup, at times can waver from start to start. When it's on, it is really, really darn good, right? And and the whole, the whole arsenal plays up. When it's off, then everybody's just sitting fastball. And that was the same thing with that upper 80s slider. Uh, but when those pitches are on, when, when he can command the changeup and slider, forget it. I think with the power pitches that he has uh, with the fastball baseline, he is in a really, really good spot. I think ultimately it's all going to be, and this is the classic age-old question, is, is the command going to be good enough to be a consistent starter in the big leagues? And at 24 years old and with the struggles in AAA, I, I assume he's going to start in AAA next year and we'll see how he continues uh, with his second little stint there. Uh, he's got all the makings to be a high-volume strikeout number three guy upside of a number two guy, but he also does have some reliever risk 
as well. So we're going to have to see how it all plays out. Uh, I'm not going to make a prediction as to whether his command will fully play out. What I do like, though, is that he is experimented with a cutter and a curveball. I think if he can mix in those pitches a little bit as well, or maybe he has a better feel for a curveball than a slider, that might be an option for him as well, though I do prefer I think the slider will play better. Uh, But manipulating to a cutter could be a good option as well if that's something that he commands a bit more than the slider. Uh, But ultimately, he's going to need to command that changeup in that slider, and I'm not sure that the cutter and curveball will just magically be a much easier pitch for him to control, but it would be good if he can mix that in from time to time, of course, and take some pressure off of the command of one of those other two pitches if it's not on on that given day. I think he's going to probably pan out in the middle of the rotation. If he does have to go to a bullpen, he will be lights out back there with the change-up fastball combination that would probably hit triple digits out of the bullpen. We're going to go through the second half, 6 through 10, of these Dodgers top prospects in part two tomorrow. Really excited to talk about the rest of the system because it's crazy talented, a lot of fun arms in the back end, and some interesting bats as well uh, that you should definitely keep your eyes on. Reminder that the entire write-up is in the description link so you can go check it out at justbaseball.com where all the other top 10 prospect lists live right now as I continue to work on them and get these out during the lockout. As always, thank you for listening and I look forward to talking prospects with you tomorrow.